Hey everybody, this is Jeb Gerald, Two Glasses of Bourbon. Super excited this week. I am joined by Robin Klein of Klein & Company Travel Consulting. Uh, that is a tongue twister and it took me two tries to get that, but I'm excited and it's going to be a great conversation. Uh, and I found Robin over Instagram. Uh, honestly, like I've met a lot of my uh, guests on here. Uh, Robin with Klein & Company Travel Consulting does some really interesting uh, trips. And so she's provides a really high level of service, uh, kind of concierge trips. So not your typical uh, Disneyland trip, although I'll ask her in a second, maybe she can do that too. I'm sure she probably would do a great job. But if you want to go to Kenya, if you want to go overseas, if you want to have a high-end uh, hunting or fishing trip, she is the lady to go to. So Robin, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for asking me to be on. It's, it's great. It's like, you know, for me, this is an opportunity to interview people to do interesting things. Um, I love what you do. It's unique. And I think it's kind of cool. So do you want to go ahead and tell our listeners, you know, tell me, tell them about what you do. Okay. Well, I have a, uh, my travel company, I do booking and consulting. So what that means is, um, I'm not like your traditional travel agent that you would just call up and say, Hey, I want to go wherever. And they book your trip. I have a very, uh, in-depth process. I work with people and find out, you know, why they want to go, what they want to experience, what, uh, you know, why the trip is meaningful for them. And, you know, that, that mostly is for, you know, those bigger bucket list kind of trips. Uh, I sure I do weekends away and all that as well, but, um, but I do offer, I think a higher level of service. That's more bespoke. That makes sense. Is there anywhere that you really just enjoy booking trips for that, you know, better than, you know, better than anyone else? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not going to say better than anyone else, but I certainly have more passion for some things than another. Um, I particularly enjoy adventure and expedition trips. Okay. Um, so whether it is, you know, doing some kind of an expedition trip to one of the Arctics, uh, or I lived and worked in Australia for quite a while. I love booking trips to Australia. Um, you know, there's just some fascinating and interesting things that you can do there. I also uh, specialize in safaris, uh, in particular, uh, horseback safaris, fly camping, uh, walking safaris where you're supported by a camel, do sort of a camel trekking trip. So, you know, the trips I do, I would say, are a little out of the box, out of the ordinary, and I like to call them ungoogleable. <laughs> <laughs> so that sounds awesome. I mean, the idea of, you know, being supported by camel or maybe riding on a camel. So as a side note, growing up, my grandfather worked in Saudi Arabia. And so uh -huh. he had a camel saddle that was always in the house. And that was one of the things I just loved. And it's nice. one of the reasons why I wanted to learn about the Middle East and Arabic and kind of all that stuff. So yeah. the idea of being supported by camel, I think is awesome. Mm -hmm. So how did you learn about these areas? Because those are very disparate things, you know, talking about the, uh, Antarctica and the Arctic and then Kenya and Australia. Those are very different places. <laughs> well, I think what ties all that together, though, is that strong sense of adventure. Mm -hmm. And I've always um, had, a, I'd say, an adventurous spirit. I left, um, you know, home, quote, quote, kind of early and traveled and worked abroad in Japan and Australia. And I also traveled um, my I don't know, sophomore year of college all summer in Europe. And 
So, you know, those kind of things just appeal to me. They're what light me up, make me really feel alive. And planning these kind of trips for other people just is a real source of joy for me and uh, makes something that is often a source of stress for other people enjoyable because, you know, they can trust me to, to, to handle all that. And um, uh, back to your question about, you know, how I got into all that. I uh, started uh, as an equestrian when I was very young and that skill to, is what took me around the world. I was able to find jobs and work in different countries and different places. And I always used my skills with uh, horses to be able to get those jobs. And that's what helped me travel around and, and why the love for horseback safaris in particular, but also horseback trips. I mean, you can do them in Iceland. You can do Hacienda, Hacienda in um, Argentina and Colombia, horseback trips in Australia, um, you know, anywhere around the globe, you can do that. So I love, that's, I love that. That's super cool. I never really thought about that, that, um, I know Argentina has the, uh, the cowboy, uh, on the pampas. I can't remember what. Yeah, the, yeah that's, that's uh, correct. Yeah. So it's super cool that you could actually go down there and do horseback trips. I never really considered that. Yeah. So have you taken most, or have you taken a lot of the trips? Do you do a lot of hands-on research for these or what does that look like? Yeah, I do. I like, you know, in a perfect world, I would experience everything before my clients do. Um, and that's not always possible. Now with these, um, what I call more high touch trips, you know, like the, the horseback stuff, the, uh, the helicopter fly camping trip in Kenya, um, those things I always do ahead of time because I want to meet the people and see what the experience is like. And, you know, in particular, when you're talking about horses, you want to know that the horses are quality, that they're well taken care of, that it's a reputable outfit, you know, those, those kind of things. Um, and the same when you're doing, um, you know, travel in, in some countries where, you know, you might need to be concerned about whether the quality of service is going to be that good or not. And, you know, in the, you know, camping, you're doing the fly camping or something, you want to make sure their equipment's in good shape and all of that. You don't want to show up and have a, you know, a rusty cot that you're going to end up, you know, <laughs> getting broken down on in the middle of the night. <laughs> so, so yeah, but the more leisure trips that I do, and I do do plenty of just straight leisure trips as well. Like, you know, you mentioned Disney and yes, I, I book Disney sometimes, but I don't feel the need to go check out Disney World um, the way I would some of these other experiences because there's plenty of people doing that. You know what you're getting when you go to Disney. That, yeah. that makes sense. It's, yeah. it, they put a lot of money into making sure that everyone gets the same experience and and doing that. So, no, that's that makes a lot of sense that you research the uh, the adventure side more and what's out of the ordinary. Like I said, what, what's ungoogleable. So, do you have any memorable experiences with any of the adventure trips that uh, really stand out for you? Oh, wow. I think the one that really stands out the most, most to me, and I mean, it's, it's hard cause they're all so special, but, um, that, that helicopter, uh, trip to Northern Kenya to Lake Turkana, which is what they also call the Jade Sea was just absolutely spectacular. One of the more amazing things I've ever done. 
That sounds, so was it a fly in, say, for a few days and fly out, or was it just fly to, to see everything? What? Tell me about the trip. Yeah. So, well, we were staying at a lodge in northern Kenya in the, like, Kipia area called Omalo, and uh, it's one of my favorite places to book for clients, and it's it's quite different than people think of when they think of Kenya in general, because they mostly think of the Masai Mara, and, um, which is one of the most fabulous, you know, ecosystems and places for wildlife viewing on the planet. Um, but it's very different in Northern Kenya. It's, uh, you know, very rocky, very, um, almost. And as you're flying and doing this trip, it's, you know, almost looks like you're, you know, moon landscapes. And then you get these very lush green, um, areas. There's, uh, flamingos in certain parts of it. And then you get all the way up to the Jade Sea and it really is Jade colored when you come in, you know, on the helicopter. Now we did this as a, like I said, as a day trip, um, but you can do it where you would go and spend, you know, one, two, three nights and you would buy helicopter, go to different locations each day. We did an up and back trip. Um, but it's just, a trip that, you know, if you were to try to do it by vehicle, one, the roads aren't great. And two, it would take you, you know, a week. Um, and, you, you know, and you get to see things in a way from the helicopter that, you know, you just can't do or experience from the ground. It's just amazing. That makes it absolutely. I, I'm looking at pictures while you're talking just because <laughs> I, I do think of Kenya as, you know, the grasslands, that, that area. So you're, I see what you're saying. It is absolutely unlike what I was expecting at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's totally, totally different than the Mara. And I, and I do have a blog as well. Um, and I do have a blog up there about our last January, we were in Kenya for three weeks and going, you know, doing all of these things so that we could, um, make sure that everything kind of, you know, passed the sniff test for the clients. And, uh, so I have a lot of information and pictures on my blog of those experiences. And I will drop a link into your blog in the show notes for right. anyone that's interested <laughs> in seeing that. I will put Perfect. those below. Perfect. Uh, and that actually sounds awesome. And it, it's very cool that you really do the, do the work on the back end. So that the client, your clients have the 100%, you know, foundational, amazing experience yeah. uh, once they're there. Well, you know, and it's not only just about checking it out. It's about developing the relationships with the people that provide the service. So, you know, that's the best way for me to be able to advocate for my clients and to be able to set up a good trip is if I've got that personal relationship with them. If I just call them up out of the blue or send them an email and they don't know me from Adam, um, you know, it just, it, it's not that they don't deliver a great product every time. It's just that when you have that personal relationship, it just makes it a lot easier. And I'm able to let them know about my clients who I also really try to get to know. I talked about it at the beginning of the, the talk here is that, you know, that's why I spend time getting to know my clients a little bit so that everything about their trip turns out the way they want it to be. It's not, nothing's ever off the shelf. And that's awesome. Do you find that your clients usually come to you and say, hey, you know, I do want to go to Kenya? Or do they say, you know, Robin, I want to do something that's interesting. I want to do something that I will never do again. Um, these are what the things that I like to do. And where would you suggest? So, you know, what is that? What does that conversation usually look like on your end? Yeah, so I get both. Um, sometimes I have people come to me with a very clear vision of what they want to do. They just don't know how to 
do it and pull it together. Um, or they might know how to do it and pull it together, but they know that I can provide added value to that experience. Um, and I can make it seamless and easy and they don't have to deal with all of it, you know, getting it done. They just have to show up at the airport and, you know, with their itinerary in hand and, and go. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, sorry, I got a cough. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> No, it's completely okay. Yeah. It's the winter. It is the time of the season we're dealing with yeah. right now. Unfortunately, it is. It is. So, so yeah, so it's, you know, those relationships are super important to making, to making it work. And then the, um, and the times people come to me and say, gosh, I don't know what I want to do. They're just like, I just need to get out of here. I want to do something special. I, you know, need to do something I've never done before. Or maybe they just say, Hey, I just want to go sit on the beach someplace for a week. And where can I go? And I don't have to have 25 COVID tests, you know? So, you know, it can take on a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of different looks as far as when people come to me and, and we, uh, you know, we get to work on it according to the individual's needs. Very cool. Have you had any experience, any, uh, any requests from clients that you just said, Oh, that's interesting. I haven't heard that one before. Um, not, not really. I mean, okay. I, I think that, uh, well, maybe I should say I should qualify. Maybe there's things I've not heard of, but I am one who is always up for a challenge. So if somebody says to me, I want to do blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, mm, I haven't heard of that before. I'll say, well, let me go research it, you know, and see what I can find out and see if I can help you. Um, you know, and if I can't, you know, I'm not afraid to refer somebody like there are certain kinds of travel that are not in my wheelhouse and not my Ballywick. And if somebody comes to me and that's what they really want, I'll refer them to somebody that I know that it does. And even that even happens sometimes with my regular clients. So, which people find very odd that I'm like, well, for this trip, I'm going to have you, I'm going to tell you, you need to work with so-and-so. And people are like, ah, why would you give away your clients? And I'm like, well, I'm not really giving them away. You know, I'm, I think they'll come back uh, for the next trip, but I think that's the best way to serve them is to have, you know, for them to have the best experience possible. In a way you're reinforcing your value because yeah. you're both confident in your, in your value, but also willing to make sure that they go above and beyond or they get an above and beyond experience. So exactly. Makes sense. So what has been one of the tougher uh, experiences that you've booked for a client? Has there been anything where they just, you know, you said there are some things that are kind of new every once in a while. Was there anything that was hard to make happen that you were just thought, Hey, that's super cool. Um, I don't think there, you know, the thing where things get harder is when there's a lot of, of parts and pieces. So if we're talking about like multi-destinations, multi-countries, multi-experiences, things like that, that's where it gets to be more challenging. I'll say, I'm not going to say it'll get, you know, really hard because I, just, as I said a minute ago, I kind of thrive on that. And I've always likened my, um, you know, wanting to be in travel and doing what I do to uh, doing a jigsaw puzzle. I love doing jigsaw puzzles, but it's like you throw it all out on the table and you got to kind of get the the edges done and then you got to start piecing it all together. So it's like that. So sometimes there's trips that take a while to put together just because there's so many stops and things. And other times it's like, okay, we're, we're going to Hawaii, we're going to one island, we're staying in one hotel and we're coming home and that's pretty easy 
you know, so. That's, I, I see what you're saying. Um, and I think that's one of the hardest things where, you know, whenever I'm tra- planning a trip for my family, that it is hard at times to kind of get everything to go together. I think that's why it makes sense to have someone that can kind of walk you through that process, especially if you're traveling internationally or with kids, you're trying to do something different that's not just show up at the beach and enjoy your time and move on. Right. So what is the international travel looking like right now? Are there still yeah. a lot of places that are hard to travel to? Kind of give me the update yeah. on that. Well, it's it's like, you know, everything else the last couple of years, very fluid, changing all the time. Um, the good thing is, is, especially in Europe now, we're starting to see a lot of countries, or not a lot, but more and more countries dropping their restrictions altogether and just saying, okay, we're just going to move on with life now. And if you're vaccinated, come on. Now, if you're not vaccinated, uh, a lot of times you will still have to test um, to get into the country. Some of them require a quarantine if you're not vaccinated. And, you know, there's different rules for different countries. And that's, you know, going back to the multi-country itineraries and stuff, that can get to be a challenge as well, because, you know, it depends on once you start crossing borders. Like in last fall, I went to Rome, uh, then I went to Italy, and then Romania, and then I went to Poland. And so I had to be very aware of all the different um you know, rules in each country. And most of them want you to do a, some sort of a health decla- declaration. And usually I have to have a QR code that you scan and they'll want to do a, you know, track, not tracking. That sounds like they're following you. No, um, <laughs> it's a, what, a locator, a locator form, you know, so they know kind of where, what hotels you're staying at, et cetera. But um yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's, I think that's another place that right now I'm really able to be of extra value with clients is I'm on top of all that stuff. I get all that in my inbox every day. So I'm seeing all those changes as they happen. And you know, I've got a couple of trips on the books for clients right now coming up in the next few months. And, you know, they're starting to ask questions. And I'm like, okay, 45 days. We're not even going to discuss this until 45 days before the trip, because it might change two or three times between now and then. <laughs> so. I, I almost mentioned just now that we are taping this on February the 2nd. So yeah. all information is as of exactly. today. And uh, if it's, to, you know, if you're listening to this tomorrow or a week from now, double check. Exactly. No, that's exactly <laughs> right. You know, by the time, but if somebody listens to this six months from now, it might be like COVID. What's that? Or they're going to be like, uh, we're on Zeta or, you know, uh, I don't know, whatever variant at that point. I just, I'm so over it. Exactly. Hopefully we will be past it at that point and we can just kind of return to normal. Uh But there's also, that's also why we're doing this virtually because in this day and age, it's so much easier because COVID is such a pain in the butt. But I won't go off on that. Oh, I know we could go on, we could go on all day about that, but you know, one good thing about it has been, um, I think that we're, I mean, we're all having the zoom fatigue for sure, but it is also nice that we have now really can use this tool more than we used to. And in situations like, you know, where I have suppliers around the world and things like that, I can actually get on a video call with them now much easier than I used to be able to. We can see each other face to face, have a conversation, and, you know, there's a, there's something to that that's, you know, better than an email in certain, you know, at times. I, I totally agree. And honestly, I think it's better than a phone call often because, you know, I'm a financial planner. Uh, for me, if I'm having a serious conversation, if there's, I, I want to be able to see my clients' reactions mm-hmm. to things. And 
it's so much easier to do that on a Zoom versus right. a phone call. Yeah. So because body language is important. No, uh, if I learned anything from wearing a mask all day, it's that if you take away part of that nonverbal communication, it takes away so much of the uh, of the syntax right. of what, what I'm what we're getting. So that's actually, I mean, I know it has nothing to do with travel, but it's been an interesting side note. And yeah. also to, uh, to learn that I can't hear nearly as well as I thought that I could, because now I'm like, if I can't see your mouth, I realize oh, I can't hear very well. That's and exactly so that's right. Been, it's been an experience. Yeah. Um, I guess you might've been in the same position that, that I have. I, you know, if I had asked my clients two years ago, or I guess three years ago now, uh, to hop on a Zoom, half of them would have looked at me like, right. <laughs> and now even, you know, my clients who are retired, who are a little on the older side, yeah. they say, oh yeah, Zoom. I talk to my grandkids on Zoom exactly. all the time. Yeah. And it's become part of our normal everyday lexicon. No, it, it has. And, you know, the, the other place I've found it to be an advantage, even sometimes if people are just across town, is since we can screen share now, like we can go, I, I send my proposals to them after I come up with the first, you know, rendition of their trip. And it's really nice to just drop on, drop, ugh, jump on a Zoom call and be able to share my screen with the itinerary and we can talk through it. And I can, you know, talk about why, you know, we put this in here and why we did that there and they can ask questions. And like you said, we can see each other and, you know, it, it's, it's a convenience. It's, it's nice. I'm sure for a lot of your, a lot of your clients, they're busy people and that's probably why they come to you because mm -hmm. one, you have the expertise and two, you're able to take that off their plate. So right. like you said, they show up to the airport, they go, they have a great time and they come home and yeah. they don't have to think about it. Yeah. So same thing, if they can have a 20 minute Zoom call with you, they don't have to worry about driving down Nicholasville Road on, right. in rush hour or hopping on news. <laughs> when, when it's or, one lane going the way you want to go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you can skip that, I, I know, especially for my younger clients that are working during the day, they say the exact same thing that it's so much less hassle. So that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, you can have all the information that you need. You just have, you know, walk in, have the conversation and you're done. Yeah. Uh, so looking at that, you know, what, what goes on on your trips that, you know, if I'm booking a trip for myself, and my family, um, what's different? Okay. Well, first, first off, um, I can provide more value, as I've said a couple times to your trip, um, in, in several different ways. But one big one is, is that, so I have a host agency and that host agency is, has tremendous relationships, um, worldwide. We're part of several of a consortia called Virtuoso. We're also part of several premier hotel partnership programs. Um, just recently, my, my newsletter I'm sending out today actually is going to be talking about our new um, membership into the Four Seasons program, which is a very elite, prestigious program. Like not a lot of travel companies get into this program. And so if somebody wants to book um, a Four Seasons property, I can provide um, extra uh, value to that with a resort credit, with a free breakfast every day, with a late check-in or, um, or I mean, excuse me, an early check-in or a late check-out, um, a late check-in. I can get you a really late check-in. No. <laughs> um, you know, other things, there's specials that we get offers on that are not out there for the public. Um, 
they don't know about it. We're part of the Marriott Stars program, the of course Step program. I mean, there's um, the Hyatt Privé program. These are all things where somebody will say, "Oh, I can book the Four Seasons myself," or "I can book, you know, this Ritz," or even if it's a you know a Marriott or whatever. You can, but you can't get all the extras without me. So. <laughs> Or somebody like me. So so that's one way. Another way is, is that if something ha- goes wrong on your trip, and you know, I'd love to say that things you know, always go 100% perfectly, but if something goes wrong, I've got the leverage and the relationships and the contacts to get things fixed. Whereas you have an 800 number. <laughs> and we've and- all been there. And, you know, trying to had a canceled flight and you're trying to call the 800 number while you're sitting there in an airport lobby with 100 other people and it's a pain. So I I see the value there. Absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that, um, like, for instance, I did just book a trip to Hawaii recently for some friends. And what I do oftentimes, depending on where, you know, they fall in the, um, you know, price point, things like that is. I can bundle everything together in a package and um, that way it's all one cohesive, seamless piece. You know, you've got your, your air is bundled with your hotel, which is bundled with your car rental, which is bundled with your, you know, activities and you pay, you pay one price and you, you know, you make your down payment, you make your final payment and you go. And then if, again, if anything doesn't go the way it should, you go to one place to get it fixed. You're not bouncing all over, you know, and that just takes a lot of stress out of it. And, um, and that can be done at, I said, you know, price point that can be done at very, very high levels, you know, down to more, you know, moderate budget. So um, it's an advantage. Do you, do you care to extrapolate on that a little bit mm-hmm. as far as, you know, at what price point, if I said, you know, I want to spend 5000 on a trip or 10000 or whatever. I'm sure you can spend. I mean, travel, you can spend as much as you want. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at what point would it make sense to call you? Um, I would. Well, you know, it's, it depends. It depends. <laughs> it's always it depends. I yeah. mean, you know, honestly, like we just talked about that whole hotel program. Like, you know, if you just want to go away for a weekend someplace and go to the Four Seasons or to, you know, a a night at one of the Marriott's in Florida or whatever, call me because I'm not going to charge as much of a fee for booking sometimes something like that. And, and sometimes not even a fee at all, depending on what the hotel booking looks like. Um, Then, but then as you get up into vacations, I would say generally, you know, like 5,000 would probably be the bottom for a, like a full on vacation. And again, it depends because, you know, I'm thinking of maybe a couple for that. Like if you come to me and say, I got a family of eight and we want to go to Europe for a week and we got $5,000, I'm probably going to say, gosh, that sounds great, but I don't think I can do that. (laughs) So. You can go to Prague and fly economy and not eat while you're there. Right. You can fly to Prague. You can get off the plane. You can look around and you can get back on and go home. You know, no, I don't mean, I mean, this sounds very, I don't want to sound like uh, to turn anybody off because people can do trips very economically. And I don't want anybody to ever feel like they don't have enough money to travel. I mean, you know, you can do hostels, you can get great cheap airfares, you can do all kinds of things, but those would be things you would, that would be more of a a DIY thing rather than where I would come into play. So I I don't want to ever discourage anybody from wanting to travel. That's for sure. 
No, everyone should travel. I, I think travel is one of those things that opens your, it broadens your mind. It gives you so many new experiences and it gives you a different, uh, just a different perspective on, on things. Absolutely. You know, when you're watching, I think for me, whenever I first took my first international trip, uh, I was watching, I don't know, Bloomberg or something afterwards. And I remember looking at, you know, seeing some of the things going on in Europe. And I just thought, man, it seems so much closer now than it did before when it was just, you know, a location on a screen. Yeah. But then after you travel, you're like, oh, that's actually not that far away. Exactly. Um, it, it just changes things. Yeah. No, it so, does. And I think it's a great, great gift that we can give our children. Uh, and I think that, you know, I was very fortunate to have that. We talked about that a little bit at the beginning. Um, I was born in Germany while my dad was in the army. And then my parents took my sister and I back when I was in the fourth grade. And that really kind of started the, like, uh, lit the fire for me. And I just, from there on, just loved it and uh, always wanted to, you know, look for a reason to travel. And then when we had our children, we would, instead of doing a big Christmas with, you know, a lot of gifts and things, we always did a trip. And, you know, I just think it uh, it does, like you said, opens your mind, broadens your horizons, lets you see that there's a whole big world out there that uh, lives very different, differently than we do, but our, but lives are, um, you know, but very happy. You know, we think about people like we, I think sometimes people get into thinking about, well, oh gosh, the, the poor people, they live in this mud hut. Well, some of the happiest people I've ever met in my travels live in a mud hut. So <laughs> I, I can absolutely believe that. Yeah. Um, kind of, I like what you're saying about, you know, giving travels an experience. Um, so I, I have a, sorry to say teenager, I have a toddler and I have another one on the way. Aww. And so I'm looking at one of the things I've always said is that before my kids begin school or somewhere around that age, like once they're old enough to actually appreciate it and enjoy it, I want to spend a month or maybe two months overseas. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think there's one, it's one thing if you go over and just take a trip and you see the sights and that's great. Absolutely. But I want them to be there and actually feel what it feels like to live there. Mm -hmm. um, whether that's getting an apartment and shopping in the local grocery stores or what, you know, whatever that looks like. Some language immersion, I think yeah. would be great because it, it goes back to like you're saying, it just broadens your, yeah. broadens your mind, yeah. uh, broadens your experiences and opens your mind. Exactly. And we've been looking at a couple of places, whether that's uh, Costa Rica or uh, maybe somewhere in Europe, maybe Thailand, uh, somewhere along those lines, low cost of living, yeah. good internet access mm -hmm. and, I mean, going back to my point earlier, I can do what I do from anywhere. Yeah. So it's it's really handy. The the hardest thing is being able to work around my wife's job. So that's that's a work in progress. Yeah. But oh well. It sounds like you got a little a, time to work on that if one is on the way. You got a little little time to plan. <laughs> we were gonna do it this fall until we found out about yeah. the second one. So uh that yeah, the toddler is getting old enough to where we could actually travel with them. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, with a baby baby it's a whole lot harder. Yeah, it is. Um with a toddler they can actually walk around a little bit. Yeah. Um and he can tell me when he wants to eat. Right. Uh, not much else, but he can say eat very well. Right. <laughs> so not, you know, it's not nearly as bad to travel. Yeah. So yeah, that's getting pushed back, but it'll be okay. So where's your favorite place that you've ever been? Um, be besides uh, Northern uh, Kenya. Yeah. Well, Kenya in particular, I mean, just absolutely has my heart. Um, you know, it's one of those places you go and um, it just, 
gets into your under your skin and you know um just i mean we didn't get to go this year in january normally we go in january we didn't get to go this year because my husband had a knee replacement in december and um it's like one of the first places that i've ever it's just like i miss it like it i really really miss it and it's a place i'm happy to go back to time and time again normally i want to go to different places you know have different experiences but i mean a year without kenya in my life is a tough year so uh <laughs> Um, and then Australia will always, always have a very special place in my heart. I would go to Australia anytime, drop of the hat. I just love it there. I, those are probably my sounds, two. Those both sound like great options. Um, diving the Great Barrier Reef is on my bucket list. Ah, so great. Australia, I mean, I, I'd love to see Ayers Rock. Um, yeah. Past that, I'm sure there's plenty of other things, but I'm kind of afraid of getting bit or stung or <laughs> something over there. I'm, I'm afraid that everything in Australia can kill me. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that. I've never experienced that myself. I mean, I, I think I had probably, there was probably more danger of driving at night and having a kangaroo jump out in front of you and having a wreck like we do with deer than of being bitter stung. Did you see the drop bears while you were there? No. <laughs> I didn't have it. I didn't have that experience. Okay. For, fortunately. Well, that's, that, that is a good thing. I've heard they're absolutely terrifying. Um, <laughs> For for everyone out there who's wondering about drop bears, it's uh, I guess a joke on a on a koala bear would be the best way to put yeah, it. I don't yeah. know exactly know how to describe it, but they're terrifying like little yeah. imaginary creatures. Right, right, so, exactly. No, luckily I did not. <laughs> very good. So, where is next on your list of places to visit? <laughs> how much time do you have? No, <laughs> okay. I've got um, as much time as you yeah, want. Right. So. <laughs> Um, there's still several African countries that I want to get to. Uh, Namibia is very high on my list. Botswana, I've not been to. Um, I have not been to the, to Antarctica yet. So I do want to do that because I want to get my seventh, my seventh continent checked off. Russia is very high on my list. Now is not a great time to be planning a trip to Russia. Unfortunately, I was supposed to go in April, but, um, yeah, I think our, Again, the date yeah. is February 2nd, 2022. <laughs> the so, ironic thing is I, I would actually probably be comfortable in traveling to Russia. Just, I mean, obviously not the Crimean or Belarus or anywhere in that area. But I feel like you could go to Moscow, you could go to St. Petersburg in those cities, not really have an issue. Yeah, I think right now the problems are more with visas. Oh, yes. That because makes sense. there's, you know, there's all this sort of political push and shove and posturing happening. And so right now, I think getting and you do have to from the United States to go to Russia, you do have to have a visa. So there are several countries where, you know, like most of Europe, we don't as Americans have to have a visa. You do have to have a visa to go to Australia. Um, so you do have to have a visa to go to Kenya. Um, you know, so different, different things like that. But, uh, but anyway, back to the, back to the question. So, yes. So, uh, there's also parts of South America that I really want to get to Chile. I've not been to Chile yet. I did go to Colombia last fall, loved Colombia. That was, was wonderful. Um, so I've heard that Colombia is a very different place now versus 10, 15, especially you know, 20 or 30 years ago yeah. traveling. Like Cartagena is supposed to be amazing. It uh, is. Where were you in, in Colombia? I was in Cartagena and Bogota, and okay. I did not have time to go to Medellin, unfortunately, but I really, I wanted to. It's, I mean, it's just a, a 
talk about a, a revival in a place that has absolutely reinvented itself and recovered from a very, very ugly time in their history. I mean, they've done an, an, an amazing job. And yes, Cartagena is fabulous. It's, it's very, it's Caribbean. Um, a lot of people don't, you know, know that about Colombia. You have the Caribbean, Caribbean side, and then you also have the Pacific side. So, um, potentially in the same trip, you could see a whale migration and you could enjoy the, the Caribbean, um, you know, and the, uh, the history of the city of Cartagena is, is very interesting colonial. And, um, so yeah, I really enjoyed that. So, uh, I want to go explore Colombia more. I do want to get to back to Argentina and to get to Chile for the first time. So those are, those are some things, um, Morocco, I'm, 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 you know, yeah. really want to go to Morocco. Um, so those are, those are the tops on my list. And like I said, I just was in Poland and Romania and those were both, I, I love central and, and Eastern Europe. So, uh. so if you're looking, I know you mentioned earlier that it'd be more of a DIY trip, but I'm just kind of curious if someone wanted to travel, because um, you mentioned Eastern Europe, and do you find that the prices are better there, that you can the dollar goes further, or where are some of the places, I'll even just rephrase that, what yeah. are some of the places where you can get the most bang for your buck? Sure, sure. No, that's a, no, it's a leg legit question. Um, I mean, now, you asked about Europe, but I'll first say Colombia is absolutely one of those places. You can okay. stretch your dollar and have a great hotel stay, great experience and great food and all of that. And definitely stretch your dollar. Um, and yes, a lot of, you know, more Eastern and Central Europe. Yes. Um, Poland, not maybe as much. Now the hotels were not as expensive, but like food and transportation were pretty much in line with the rest of more like Western Europe. Um Romania was very affordable and incredibly beautiful. The culture was very interesting. Um, probably not someplace I'd say, oh, go at your own. You know, I would, uh, you know, advise having somebody help you plan that trip that has been. Um, but, it, you know, affordable. Um, and then now someplace like Croatia, you know, that's going to cost you the same as Western Europe. It's gotten very popular and the price point's going to be, you know, a little higher, but you know, if you want to get into places like Serbia and, um, Slovenia, Slovakia, places like that, you know, you might, you might do a little better. Um, so yeah. Okay. That that's helpful because I think it's one of those things that anytime someone travels, they want to make sure they get the most from their travel. What about knowing other another language? Uh, are there what countries are more uh, open to Americans who don't speak a second language? You know, like most of us. Well, I think that I was so when I was there this fall um, in Europe. It was the first time in twenty years that I'd been. It'd been a long time since I'd been back because we did did not travel to Europe with our children for what we just mentioned. It was just financially, it was not feasible. So it was the first time I'd been back and I was amazed and delighted with how almost everybody spoke English and they have, uh, it's been a big change there in the culture in the schools where they all are learning English now where, I mean, like from very, very early on where it used to be like when I was younger, they would learn the language of their neighboring country. So, you know, people would speak German and French, or they would speak, um, you know, or Polish and German, or they would speak, you know, Italian and 
German Spanish, or, you know, or things German like or, that. Yeah. And now, um, I mean, English is just widely, widely spoken everywhere. I was amazed. Thank you, European Union. It's yeah. very helpful when, the, exactly. when it comes to that. Exactly. Um, and even in Romania, I mean, I was really surprised in Romania how many people spoke pretty good. I mean, the older generation, not so much, but all the young generations spoke great English. That is, that is interesting. I, I wouldn't have guessed that um, because I think that's one of those things that people, I mean, for instance, I speak Arabic, uh, not very well, but a little bit, <laughs> but I found that whenever I travel, it doesn't matter who I meet. They speak better English than I do Arabic. Yeah. So it doesn't really come into hand, in handy at all. Uh, but it, it, the thought of going to a new culture where you don't speak that language, I think that holds people back. And so it's good to hear that, you know, you can travel throughout Europe and you don't have to worry about that because if you're out and you need to ask where the kitchen or the bathroom is, yeah. you can get there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And all the I'm, African countries, English is spoken you know, you don't have to worry about it there either. That's very cool. Um, so have you been to uh, Cape Town or uh, South Africa, Johannesburg? Or... I No, I haven't gotten there yet either. It's one of those things like I went to Kenya and then I just kept going back. <laughs> so I need to, I what, I, <laughs> what I want to do now though, is I want to start when I go adding a few, you know, another, at least one other country when I go, but Try, you know, for me, going to the continent without going to Kenya would be really hard to do. So, <laughs> oh, you got to visit the heart of darkness. Yeah, I, I understand. You got to got to get back to Africa. <laughs> um, I guess that was a Congo, not not Kenya. Right, but it's, <laughs> it's close. I mean, it's you know, it's it's, it's a close sort of proximity. But... <laughs> yeah, um, I haven't been to Africa. It's it, it is high on my list. Uh, we were supposed to go. We're going to go in early 2020, but yeah. then. I had a coworker had a baby, and so I had to be there to cover, and then 2020 happened. Yeah. But that was so high on my list because we really wanted to do uh, basically Jordan, um, Jordan, maybe part of Lebanon, uh, and then Egypt mm -hmm. and Israel. Um, but do you do many trips in the Middle East? Do you, do you work well, with your Well, I actually had a trip that I uh, did for somebody last year to Israel. And it did not end up happening, unfortunately, because they closed their borders at the time. And They've it was, very, it was, they were going for a wedding, uh, for, with some, you know, friend's child. And, um, but we planned this big three week trip doing Petra and, uh, in Jordan and then all of, you know, a lot of Israel and then they were going to do the wedding. I mean, it was a fabulous trip and, um, and uh, that's definitely a place that's on my list as well, as well as Turkey. That's one I missed when we went through our list there is Turkey. Um, so, uh, yeah, I do, you know, Israel, definitely Jordan, definitely, um, Turkey, you know, you can decide whether you want to call it Asia or Europe, you know, they've got both sides of it. So, um, so those places, yes, you know, uh, well, that's, that's good to know. So if someone came to you and said, Hey, you know what? I'm trying to think how I want to ask this question. I want to do my, put my dream tip bad trip together and I want to go see, uh, Europe, you know, what would be your first place to start? Okay. Um, if, if you were controlling their itinerary, yeah. what would be your, what do they have to see? Right. Well, I think one, it depends on have they been there before or not. Okay. Um, two, are they people that want, you know, 
are checking things off their list. Um, like I got to see the Eiffel Tower. I got to see the Coliseum. You know, I got to see, you know, London Bridge and Big Ben. I got to see, you know, I mean, if, if that's the kind of trip that they want, then that's the direction you go. Um, if they've already been to some of those places, then I always love to say, well, let's, you know, let's try someplace new like Poland or, um, which I just love Poland, by the way, I thought it was just fabulous and re highly recommend it. Um, so it, it, you know, again, it depends. My answer is all, it depends. Uh, well, honestly, I, I love hearing the process behind this because in reality, I think the process is actually more important than the outcome. Yeah. Because if you have the process set up, it'll, you'll get the good outcomes. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Sorry well, if, some, off, but. if somebody says to me, I want to go to Europe and all I do is say, well, here's what you need to do. And I don't even ask them the first question about, well, do you like museums or not? And then I go and plan them a full day tour of the Louvre and they say, I hate museums, you know, then I've not done my homework or my job. Yeah, Absolutely. That, that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, as far as the, you know, the places you've got to see in Europe, again, it's uh, like, for me, I don't feel as big a draw or call to see some of those, you know, iconic things like the Arc de Triomphe, the, you know, Eiffel Tower. I mean, I have seen them. I enjoy more the experiences. Like I would rather have an experience of, you know, doing something authentic and that is more, um, uh, cultural, uh, of cultural importance than just seeing something that's, but that's just me. Does that, does that make sense? That absolutely makes sense. Okay. Uh, I, I agree that, yeah, there's some of the things that I guess are okay to see, but for me, I, I love seeing the, what a normal Parisian or a normal person who lives in, I don't know, Warsaw or wherever, what, what their daily experience is like. Yeah. Because I think that's super cool. Yeah. I, I think to be able to see the world through their eyes, or at least somewhat, mm -hmm. uh, makes all the difference. Yeah. Uh, well, we're, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I just wanted to expound on that a little bit because it, it kind of was a good entree into, you know, I have people say to me sometimes, oh, we don't need a tour guide. You know, we can do that on our own. And in general, most of the time, I think that's a mistake because, oh, okay. well, when you get a good tour guide and it's somebody that, you know, is normally a local, they can mm -hmm. give you all of that um, insight into that place better than anything. And what you can learn and experience with a good tour guide is invaluable, I think. I think that's a great point. I like that a lot. Yeah. So I'm going to segue for a second, or I'm just going to kind of transition because it's not really even a segue. Uh, I know one of the things that you do that's very interesting is you set up hunting and fishing trips. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah. I think that's kind of unique. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I have clients that enjoy, you know, are sportsmen, outdoorsmen, um, families that are, sometimes it's not the whole family. Sometimes it's, you know, just part of the family. Um, so I do set up trips that kind of satisfy 
all the, you know, trying to tick all the boxes, so to speak. So if somebody in the family wants to do some hunting um, while they're on a trip, I can work that out. And, you know, I only work with very top end reputable um, outfitters. You know, I do everything is above board and ethical and, you know, there's, there's no questions on that. Um, you know, fishing trips, uh, same thing, you know, um, you know, it's a lot of fun if you're in some place, like you mentioned, Costa Rica, you know, it's a lot of fun to go out and have a day fishing and, and catch your dinner. And, you know, we, when we were in Costa Rica last summer, we, uh, the guys went out one day. I don't, fishing is not my love. Um, but I love that they love to fish and we had ceviche for days on end. We had dinner a couple nights. So, um, so I like that when people want to do that. Um, and it's something that I can do that a lot of your just, you know, most travel agents don't, unless they have that love for the outdoors and, the hunting and the fishing aspect of it. Um, they don't really understand, like they would just kind of call anybody up and say, well, they want a fishing trip and they don't understand the difference between, well, is it a, you know, are we going offshore? Are we going inshore? Is it a fly fishing trip? Are we sport fishing? Are we fishing for food? Are we, you know, same thing with hunting. So since I can speak both travel and sporting trips, you know, it, it kind of puts me in a unique position to be able to serve clients that want both. That makes sense. That's a very, very cool thing. And uh, you mentioned Argentina earlier. Well, you mentioned Chile and Argentina. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always wanted to go bird hunting in Argentina. Mm, That's yeah. one, of, one of the dub shoots down there looks like such yeah. a blast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was a really, really bad pun, but no. I'm a new guy, yeah. so I can make <laughs> bad puns like that. But they, they do look like fun. Um, yeah. So are there any hunting trips that kind of stand out to you that you just like, that's a really cool experience. Well, I do. I think Argentina is one that is absolutely one of the best places you can go because you can do both, you know, as they say, fur and feather, um, there, you know, you can do things that are, you can hunt things that are four-legged and you can do wing shooting and you can go fishing. So it's a real sportsman's paradise and they have uh, very, their seasons are very long in general. I mean, their dove season is year round. So you can go any time of year to shoot doves. Now, obviously, when you're talking about the um, stag and things like that, that is not year round. You're you're only going to do that in season. Um, Spain is another place. There's a very strong sporting tradition. Um, a lot of both wing shooting and um, hunting. You know, their ibex. There's the ibex grand slam in Spain that's very popular, and um, there are some of the European countries are actually, you know, people were surprised to know that countries like Austria and Hungary, uh, you know, boar, wild boar is, uh, and different red stag, Scotland, Scotland has excellent hunting and people think that, well, you're never, you can't use, can't use guns in, but, you know, depending on the situation. So yeah, there are, you know, um, you know, you could get all into Alaska and Canada and, um, you know, everywhere, uh, you know, uh, Turkey, like we talked about all the, um, Asian countries, Mongolia, Tajikistan, places like that, Marco Polo sheep. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, that, we could talk about that. That could be a whole nother podcast. <laughs> no, it could. No, that would be an exotic trip. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine visited Tajikistan for, uh, 
he was a, an observer, a voting rights observer, okay. and he was over there observing their elections. And he said that was one of the one of his favorite places he's ever visited. Yeah. So that that would be an amazing trip. Yeah. Uh, one last question on that, just because you kind of touched on it. So if you are traveling overseas, um, I know often, you know, you want to bring your own weapons. Mm -hmm. uh, can you help facilitate the travel with that? How that, however that works. I've flown with a, with a pistol before. Mm -hmm. It wasn't terrible, but mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't want to do it overseas without advice. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, handguns and firearm and, uh, handguns and firearms, sorry, handguns and, uh, rifles or, you know, shotguns are going to be two different things because yeah, you're not so going to hunt with a handgun, obviously. If we're just talking hunting weapons. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So hunting, yes. And what I do is I actually work with a company that specializes in that in particular. So they know okay. the rules in every single country, everything you need to do. And we pay a fee and we actually have them do all of that upfront. So when I have clients that, um, that want to travel with their own, firearms. That's, that's how I do it because, you know, that's one place I'm going to tell you flat out right now. I, I don't, you know, have the time with everything else I do to learn the rules in every country about what their rules for that. And that's not a place you want to make a mistake. I mean, you uh, know, that's you absolutely wanna, true. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to come into a country with a gun and not have it all the proper paperwork and have everything on the up and up and, you know, signed, sealed, and delivered before you ever get on the plane. Cause you know, that's a fast track to landing you in a lot I, of hot water or losing an expensive, very expensive weapon. I don't want to be in an American jail, much less a right. South American or African jail. <laughs> exactly. So exactly. I, I'm with you 100%. That's one yeah. of those things where you pay for the peace of mind and you pay for their expertise. Exactly. That makes sense. That's me. right. Well, we're wrapping up. I really appreciate your time, Robin. This has been fantastic. Uh, is there, are there any questions that I should have asked that I missed? And no, please I, tell yeah, me if I, if I, 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 I think, you know, I think you really covered it. I think, you know, the only thing I would say, whether it be me or somebody else, um, do, if you are trying to plan a trip, that's anything, you know, kind of multi, um, faceted, do look into hiring a travel advisor. Uh, I think that the money that you might spend on a fee up front, some charge fee, some don't, um, is really worth the investment, especially with all the changes that have happened in the world the last couple of years. Um, and always, always, always get your travel insurance, whether that be through me or through, you know, somebody else. Um, and a, a good place to go to find a travel advisor. If you're, if somebody just wants to look for one is the ASTA website, it's A-S-T-A American Society of Travel Advisors. And everybody that is listed on that website has been, you know, as certifications, they're members of ASTA and, you know, they will serve you well. So that's good. Good information. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I, like I said, thank you so much. It's been wonderful talking to you and uh, I will drop links to your uh, website and your social media handles in the show notes. If you want to uh, reach, if you want to find her, she's on Instagram, very active. Uh, Robin posts some awesome pictures, um, not only from Kenya, but from all over the place. Yeah. So definitely check her out on Instagram. Look at her website on her blog. Uh, I'm going to have a link to the, Masai Mara. Masai yeah. Mara, did I pronounce yeah. it right? Uh -huh. Okay. Yep. Uh, and I'll have a link to that. You can see uh, the Jade Lake as well. Beautiful place. And as usual, uh, check out 
uh, two glasses of bourbon, yeah. uh, please subscribe and leave a, leave a review. So I thank you and I will see you next week. Thank you.